So I'm, this morning I want to preach on a different kind of Jesus. If you want to call it a preach. Uh, yeah, and I'm not preaching on a different kind of Jesus. I'm preaching on different kinds of Jesuses. Je- um, Afrikaans, so the, the S after S gets very confusing. Um, and I want you guys to quickly imagine this with me. What, what is Jesus like for you? I mean, quickly imagine this. I- imagine Jesus comes to stay at your house for two or three months. What is he like? What does he wear? Does he wear that robe with his J- Jerusalem cruisers, walking around like this the whole time? <laughs> is, is, is that the Jesus in your mind? No? With, you, know, you know what I'm saying, that, that robe? Or does he wear normal clothing? It's like a, because we always just see him on the pictures wearing that robe, doing the, you know. Uh, 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 what does he speak about? Does he speak about politics? Um, did he vote for Trump? And what, 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 is, what, is, what is Jesus like? What is his hobbies? Yeah, the cycling, yeah, the, the cycle, yeah. If, if, uh, what does he like to eat in the mornings, right? Is he like a bacon and eggs type of guy or future life? Yeah, <laughs> definitely future life. <laughs> and, and what is his attitude? I mean, if, if he, you, you wake up, maybe you overslept the morning and... You go into the room and he is he is he sitting there like this? Like <laughs> or is he also still in bed? <laughs> you know, w- w- I mean, what is he like? Because for all of us, we've got an idea of what Jesus is like. There's there's a type of Jesus in our minds that we are following. If if I if I I mean there's a lot of Christians, right? There's a lot of Christians. They just take bloom. But if you if I don't know always if we are following the same Jesus, and I'll show you through the scripture what I mean by that. But just because, I mean, the, the Jehovah's Witnesses would say, no, they follow Jesus. The Mormons, they say they follow Jesus. There's some dodgy things out there that say they follow Jesus. So just because we call something or someone Jesus doesn't mean we're speaking about the same person. Does that make sense? You know, in, in, in Exodus 20, verse 4, God speaks to Israel and he says, you, you, will, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on earth beneath. There's a sense that like God is saying to them, man, I don't, and we all go like, yes, we don't make idols. I don't have a little Buddha statue in my house. And, uh, but what God is saying, yeah, man, I don't want you to make images even of me. God is saying, I don't want you, not in heaven above or on earth. No, there's nothing that you should make physically, and I'm going to worship that. And I think sometimes we make an idol, we make a picture of Jesus in our minds, and we worship that. And, and I honestly think God did this, even saying, I don't want you to make a statue of me, call that God. Even if it's good things, but we limit God, and we project our idea of what God is, and we make it concrete. Uh, for me, my personal experience with walking with Jesus, it's, I've, I, I used to see him a certain way, and as I walk with him, it's like I start to get, him, get to know him better. I start to realize things that I thought he would do, he doesn't do. The things that I thought Jesus would stand for, I realize that's not necessarily the way he is, and I get to know him better. And this morning, I want, uh, my heart is for, at the end of this, I want you to realize may, maybe there's some area of your heart that you've got a wrong view of Jesus. 
It's not the Jesus of the Bible necessarily. Now, that doesn't mean you're not saved and we need to pray for you again. If, if you're not saved, then let's pray for you. Uh, if God isn't Lord of your heart. But uh, so there's this slope of, yes, I follow Jesus, but I need to make sure I follow the correct one. And, that I st- and I continue to follow the correct one. Now, you might be going like, come on, Paul. I mean, this is for the fringe people. I mean, I, I agree with you. Maybe the Mormons don't follow the same Jesus. Or, the, you know, the, the extremes. We kind of go like, yes. But I think there's even, I'm not going to name like things, but I think there's churches and people that you might think these, these are Christian people that I don't think follow the same Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3 to 4, now this is ev- evident even in the Bible, in, in the church of Corinth. Paul writes to him, he says, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaim, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. The church of Corinth started off following the correct Jesus. Start, started off believing the correct gospel, but by the, the serpent, the, the devil deceived them slowly but surely into a wrong Jesus a wrong spirit, a wrong gospel. They didn't start worshiping Satan, but they slowly but surely drifted into something else. And I honestly think that is something we need to be aware of. If you're sitting here and saying, well, no, I've got a correct view. You need to be humble enough this morning and say, maybe, maybe there's at least some area that I might miss it. And I want open up your heart this morning as I preach, say, man, maybe there's one area of God that I'm not seeing correctly. And then we'll change that. We repent from that. Don't, don't just... As I read the things, God, like, yes, I believe that. Don't look at the good. Look at the things that you see, man. God, I think I missed that. So a couple of points I want to make out here before I run through the different types of Jesus. First one, the serpent is cunning. Man, he is smart. The devil will not walk in here. Well, I, don't, I haven't seen him do it. Uh, he's not going to walk in here with the horns and the fork and like, ah, I'm the devil. And you're like, ah, oh, okay. So that's obvious. We're going to go like, ah, oh, okay, oh, we got him, okay. No, we're not going to worship that. But he disguises himself as an angel of the light. Now the Bible says the devil walks around like a roaring lion looking for those that he can devour. It's interesting he uses a lion, a roaring lion as a picture. Now because Jesus is called the Lion of Judah. He, he looks at Jesus, makes himself look like that and, and goes and represents himself as I am Jesus. And then we go like, oh, Jesus. Oh, it's a Christian church, yes. And then you, you look at what they believe and you're like, yo. Like, how can you, how can you believe this? You, you're not, we're, not, we're following two different Jesuses. A false gospel or a false view on Jesus leads us away from a pure and sincere devotion to Christ. Man, if, you're strugg- if, you, if your devotion to Christ is struggling, it's probably because there's an area of you that you, you're not seeing Jesus correctly. You may be seeing him, and we'll look at some of it, but you may be seeing him as someone that just demands, and you need to perform. And everything in you just goes like, oh, I can't do it. It's, it's difficult. So you just stop. Who, who's had that type of experience where you just feel like you can't, eh? Yeah, it feels like I just can't do it. And then you stop. My, my personality is if I can't do something, I don't want to do it. Right? I'd rather spend a lot of time figuring it out and then doing it. But if I can't get it done, I'm like, I'm out. So likewise, when we get to, like, I'm struggling with this thing and I'm out. But that's, is that the way, is, you know? I want to say it is a slippery slope. 
So don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that some of you guys have got a wrong Jesus and you're going to hell. So it's the slippery slope of slowly but surely starting to see him incorrectly. Or maybe the way you, got, you were raised, that you know, maybe family or friends, the way they influenced you, that caused you to see Jesus in a certain way. Maybe, maybe you grew up without a dad, right? And that's going to, in a sense, cause you to see Jesus as he's there, but he's not really there. Like he's, he's somewhere, but he's not really involved. You see him kind of as in the sky on the clouds. And that is a wrong Jesus that you're looking at. And that's going to cause you to not have a um, pure and sincere devotion to Christ. <coughs> Sorry, Christ. You see, airlock. So let's look at, I'm going to look at three types of Jesuses. And hopefully I get through all of them. So the first one, if you are taking notes, it's the sports coach Jesus. Sports coach Jesus. And this Jesus is more like a sports coach than he is a savior. He's always telling you you can do more. He's always telling you you should have done that better. He's always saying do one more lap. He's always saying get up earlier. He's a sports coach always demanding more. It's never enough. And if you don't perform, he puts you in the B team. <laughs> he puts you on the bench. And this teaches us to rely on our own strengths. The sports coach Jesus is there to coach you. He's not there to help you. He's there to tell you what to do, how to do it. But he's not going to help you. He does not enable you. He wants you to do it. It's your strength. You need to go and do it. He tells you you need to pray this amount and then hopes you do it. He's not involved. And, he, and for you, he might be involved. He's there the whole time next to you, but he's there with a flaky going like, come, do more, do more. The sports coach, Jesus, is more concerned about what you do than how you are. How's it going with you? You know, there's in Luke 18, it's the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector where the, the, um, this, these two people and Jesus tells this parable and the, the tax collector goes into the temple and he praises and praises and he's like yo he's just man I, I'm a sinner like I, I, I deserve hell and he kind of in his, he, he uses this term he beats his chest and going like Lord forgive me have mercy on me he's, he's, he goes like man I, I need a savior and then you see the Pharisees saying Lord I tithe every month I give of everything. I fast twice a week. I thank you that I'm not like other people. I thank you that I'm not like that guy. I'm doing better. My performance is doing well. And that is a, that is a person that believes in the sports coach, Jesus. And let's look at five symptoms of the sports coach, Jesus. So you know, if medicine students, right? You know, you look at symptoms. If someone has a, a hoose, no, this you look okay. Well, let's let narrow let's narrow it down. Uh, if you you guys know what I mean, there's some different symptoms for different things. You know, I, I remember going to the doctor, and he would say, he would check this, check this, and okay, you've got a rash here, or you know, you, you sound a bit like there's mucus. Okay, so it's probably this, and so let's look at the symptoms. And if you check some of these boxes, chances are that there's something in you that's got a wrong view of Jesus. First one, you fall under condemnation quickly. Jesus is always saying you can do better. Like it, I mean, you do something small wrong and it's condemnation. Now, hear me out. There, there, there's a difference between I sinned 
and now the Holy Spirit convicts me and I, I, I repent. But even that, you know, the Bible speaks of godly repentance is repentance that has not, it doesn't lead to shame or doesn't lead to regret. Now, what does that even mean? It's like, don't I regret the sin? Now? I don't know exactly what that always means, but there's a sense of, I'm, I'm finished with that. It, 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 God dealt with it, it's okay. You don't, it's not going to bring it up the whole time. And if you feel God's constantly bringing up your mistakes, it's probably the sports coach, Jesus. You know, that Jesus had said, no, last week you fumbled the ball. Bringing up your past the whole time, telling you you should be better. That's the sports coach, Jesus. Number two, you feel closer to Jesus when you do ministry. It's like everything in you falls apart when you're not actively busy doing ministry. Like, I mean, that's not necessarily a full-time setting, but I mean, if you don't go to, if, you, if, if you're not on the band, if you don't get a chance to lead a community, if you don't get a chance to do ministry, everything in you feels, oh, why is my walk with God not going anywhere? Because you're building it on, man, the coach is saying I need to perform. You know, if you're able to go your whole life without any, anyone recognizing you, without anyone giving you an opportunity and still follow God, then you probably got closer to the correct Jesus. Because it's not about what we can do. Man, it's about walking with Him. It's about having a relationship with Him. Really being filled, being tapped into Him. And going, I mean, the Bible has verses of, do, you know, I'm paraphrasing it, but make an effort to just li live a quiet life. And if you cringe at that verse, then you probably got the sports coach, Jesus. Oh, what do you mean quiet life? Just going through the motions? Like everything in you, um, honestly, for me, it's a bit like, yes, it's like, oh, I don't want to just go through the motions. And then that's fine. We want to count for God. Yes, I mean, I want to count for God. But am I fine with just walking with Him? Just being with Him? If, if that is not enough for me, then I've got a Jesus that always just demands more. I'm like, oof. Number three, you compare yourself with other believers, good or bad. Like the Pharisee, like, oh, Lord, thank you, I'm not like that guy. And this leads to spiritual pride or just self-condemnation. So you're either going to be like, oh, I'm the worst person in this church. You know? And if, if, if we ask, hey, listen, who wants to lead a prayer meeting? You're like, oh, I don't even know if I can pray. And it's like everything just falls, because you look at other believers and you're like, oh, everyone's just better, man. Just better than me. They're going to be the A-team. I'll never be in the A-team. You, know, you, you don't say that, but in your, in your mind you're thinking that. Or on the other side, you're like, yeah, I'm in the A-team. Gee, I'm really doing good because I'm better than those oaks. That, that is the sports coach, Jesus. And Jesus is running a, f a family. He's not running this team. And if you're running a family, yes, the one brother will be different than the other. But man, we love both of them equally. It's like, and whatever he's going through, we're dealing with that. He's not going to be like, oh, you're the failure son. Let's look at the one that's really doing well. And we... we, we we look at that. We think sometimes Jesus is like that. Looking at us saying, oh, you're that one son I really hope better for. But luckily I've got the other ones that are performing. God is not like that. Number four. Yeah, that was number three, right? You only, number four, right? You only always see what believers should improve on. When you look at other believers, the first thing you think of is what they're doing wrong. The first thing you think of is what they should be doing better. Let, let me use a band as a, the band as an example. If you're a musician, 
and you're standing here, and you worship God, and go like, ah, I should have played that chord like this. Should have done that. Should have done that. As I'm preaching, you, ah, I should have. You're looking at people in your community. Ah, this guy should do this better. This guy should do this, this better. Now, we need to be aware of each one another's shortcomings so we can help one another. But is it to help the person? Are you even able to see the good in the guy? Like, are, are we able to celebrate the good things that the people are doing? And the chances are we do this because we think Jesus looks at us that way. We think that whenever Jesus comes to us, he's, he, he's coming with a list. You need to do these things better. And then he goes to the next guy, leaves you, and hopes you do it. And then, he go, okay, you need to do these things better. You need to do these things better. And we relate, we project that to other people. Man, the way you treat other people tells a lot about how you think Jesus is. I mean, think of it, you know, it's because you think you, you've, and I, that's just like a, you don't even, that's not even just a Christian thing. I mean, if you look at little children in their schools, the way that they interact with the other children, it's probably how the way their parents treat them. And it's like, yes, amen. Yeah? You know, if you, if you get a bully at school, you know that guy didn't, he, it's not like he got born and he, I'm, I'm the bully. No, yeah, he got born into sin, but there's something at home not right. And for us as well, man, the way we treat others, it's something at home not right. There's something at home not right. Number five, you always need encouragement from others to feel close to God. <laughs> now, man, we want to be a church where we encourage one another. Please encourage one another, encourage me. <laughs> you know, get encouragement. If you're struggling, ask people, man, encourage me. That's okay. You can ask people for encouragement. Did you know that? Thank you. Thanks. Sir. <laughs> But I mean, even even you walk, let's say Wednesday, you're like, yeah, man, you pop tires. Are you, you, you're really struggling. You can be at community, hey, guys, could you guys encourage me? You can say that. You don't have to hope that God tells them to say when you need encouragement. But what I'm speaking about here is you always need encouragement. You don't feel close to God when people don't validate you. Like you thrive on the validation of others. And if people don't validate you, you, you start to think, yes, man, when... Am I even connected with God anymore? You, you, you relate what other people say about you with your relationship with Jesus. So how, how do we remedy, remedy this? Right? We need to know that Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. He's our shepherd. It's a sense of he's with us. He, he leads us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Man, there's a... He's, a, he's our shepherd. He's not, a, he's not this coach telling us to do more and to do better. Now there's a, uh, not, don't hear what I'm not saying. But he wants to speak with us. He wants to communicate with us. We, we're his sheep. There's, I think there's a reason the Bible calls us sheep. Because we, his living things that he cares for and feeds and looks after and, and he goes and gets them when they leave. You don't treat sheep like a rugby team. Oh, I don't know, maybe some Buddha do. And a description like God so loved the world that he gave his only not because he wanted to get together this amazing team of people that do things. God, can I say this? God doesn't need you. Sorry. One of the biggest revelations I had was this one time I was at a, at a, a Christian camp. And I, re I remember after the preach I heard that they're going to do a, a response time where they're going to pray for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And they're going to open it up to, and say, listen, if you want to pray for people... Um, you can come pray with and I remember going like I can't wait for that response time because I'm going to the front I'm going to pray for people and yes they're going to fall I mean, people are going to get slain people are going to start speaking in tongues I'm go you know I've got the power I, I was ready for it 
And I remember there was a time I was on my knees, we were still worshiping, and then they made the call. Listen, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, come stand here in the front, we'll pray for you. And if you want to pray for people, come to the front and pray for them. I remember it felt like someone was sitting on my back. I couldn't get up. I, I knew there wasn't someone, and I, I could get up. But it was as if someone was sitting on me. I, I don't know, maybe it was the fear of the Lord, just like I was so aware I shouldn't move now. I, I, and I felt God saying to me this, Paul, I don't need you. It's like, oh, Lord, what do you mean you don't need me? You need me, Lord, come on. I'm the solution to your problems. <laughs> and then I just remember him saying, I don't need you. I want to use you, but I don't need you. I can use anyone. I can, I can do it myself as well. I choose to work for you, but I don't need you. And that settled something in my heart going like, okay, okay, Lord. You don't, you don't need me. It's not like he's depending on me to change the world. Now, I'm not God's silver bullet. You know, he's his own silver bullet, you know. God is a jealous God, man. Right in Exodus 20 verse 5, he says, I don't want you to make idols because he's, a, he's jealous for his people. Man, he's, this is my people. A sports coach just wants to sell this player who's not doing well, get that other player. And it's like, you don't give your CV if you want to work to the, in, in this church. So we don't care about who's the best. This is a family. This is about people. Not about positions and titles and performance. The, thir- the second Jesus, I call, I call this Jesus the AFK Jesus, right? So bear with me, I'll explain this. AFK stands for away from keyboard, right? So some of my gaming friends, they know what I'm speaking about. Andre, thanks. So I, I used to be a gamer, so we use this term AFK, away from keyboard. So I would be with my microphone playing games, and all of a sudden you hear the other person just quiet, or their little character in the game just stops. It's probably because they went to the bathroom or went to go get something to eat. So we say, oh, the guy's AFK. There's no one there. And the, guy, the guy's playing, but there's no one there. Now, some of us have, have this AFK Jesus. This Jesus doesn't really hear your prayers. You pray, but you, you kind of do it because you need to pray. And you, you don't really know if he does anything with it. And you, you imagine the heaven head office has got this pack of Prayers that still needs to be opened by you. <laughs> Jesus just archives your chat the whole time. <laughs> this Jesus leaves things up to you. Now, either his part on the cross, now you need to do it. Now, either his part, now you do your walk. He kind of. Now, he, he comes in once a week. He comes into office once a week, checks, yeah, your life's falling apart, you're doing okay, quickly does some damage control, and then goes on. He, he, this type of Jesus is always caught by surprise. And like, he, you wake up one morning and you, maybe you messed up or uh, you made a bad call about something or uh, uh, you lost your job and then the Lord's like, oh, yeah, oh, oh. And he's running around trying to figure out what to do. This, this type of Jesus is not a Jesus that is in control. He's, he's away from the keyboard. You, you kind of hope he's there. Five symptoms that you might be believing in this type of Jesus is, first one, you don't pray to hear God's voice. You pray and hope for the best. When last did you pray to hear the voice of God? Or do you, well, I'm, <laughs> she was like, oh, 
Or do you pray like, Lord, would you come and do this, 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 and then just hope it worked? <laughs> I mean, we do that, right? We pray, and they, but do we wait for a response? I've, I've had times where I pray, and I know God just heard me. Like a quick story on that. I remember when I was pursuing Gabby, right? And I was making the moves. <laughs> but but I, I mean, I don't know what I was doing, right? So... <laughs> And I remember one morning standing at my parents' house, still ma- making myself a coffee, and I was like, Lord, I don't know what to do. You need to help me. And I could feel the Lord saying, okay. I was like, oh, yes, what is he going to do? <laughs> I was like, no, Lord, <laughs> let's chat about this. What are you going to do? And I remember that evening, we went to McDonald's to go get an ice cream, and we were sitting there, and this random stranger walks past there, and he's like, hey, this is cute. How long have you guys been going out? I'm like, no, I was prepped for something like this. No, no, we're just praying, not going out. Leave it there, move on. And he looks at us, he's like, who are you guys kidding? You guys should be married. Yeah? And then he looks at Gabby, he's like, any guy that's willing to sit here with you and eat ice cream, you should marry. I'm like, amen. Hey. <laughs> There's still a part of me that thinks it might have been an angel, you know. <laughs> but do we, do we wait for a response from God? Do we, do we listen to his voice or do we just treat him as a... Let's pray and hope he responds. Do we just hope for the best? I mean, you, that, that, that's a type of prayer where I'm going into a test. Let me just quickly pray in case it works. <laughs> you know? It's like it's that in case it works types of prayers. Number two, you always fear that things won't work out. There's an anxiety in you that goes like, man, things aren't going to work out. It feels like you need to make things work. This is, honestly, this is something I sometimes struggle with. I just, I feel, I'm, I look at everything, everything is going to go wrong. <laughs> Ask I, I, on a Sunday, I look at everything beforehand, I'm like, yeah, I need to get ready for this and this. Because and, I, I always fear that things will go wrong. But I forget that God is in control. God is there, man. He's not hoping for the best. He's involved. He's God. We sometimes think, uh, I, I was Googling some different types, uh, different images on Jesus, right? Uh, I mean, you, you get American Jesus, he's got a gun with an American flag, you know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you get hippie Jesus, you know, he's just walking around with animals and, you know. But I, I remember seeing this one picture of, of Jesus, and I think it was Satan on the other side, and they're arm wrestling. Uh, these buff guys on arm wrestling. I mean, Jesus is not in an arm wrestle. He already won. He's not still trying to figure out that, yes, I'm trying my best here. He, he already won. And we need to, uh, so there's, a, I mean, there's a lot of debates about the sovereignty of God and, and uh, how does this and that work. I don't know. All I know is he knows. He knows the end from the beginning. There's nothing that can surprise him. It's not my responsibility to always understand how does that work and now, you know, do I choose him, does he choose, I, I don't know. Make sure you make the right choice, but, but know that he's in control. Know that his hand is in it, man. You don't have to fear. Number three, you never speak about what God said he will do. It's like, I mean, when last did you say, man, God said this, and he's going to do this, and God is, you, it's like you don't, you're not aware of what God is doing. Like, you, you don't speak about what God said he will do. It's kind of like, I, I'm hoping for this, and I'm hoping for this, and God said I should do this. Like, you speak more about God said I should do this, than God said he will do that. 
Does that make sense? It's more about what God said, told me to do now. He does tell you to do things. Don't get me wrong. But everything is just about God told me to do this and do this. When last did you hear God saying, I will come and do this? Now he said, I will build my church. Now as, as a leader in the church, that's difficult. Right? It's a great scripture we like to quote, yes, God will build his church. But everything in you is like, Lord, but build your church. You know, yeah. But to know, he is building his church. He is doing it. Now I get to partake, but even if I'm out, he's going to get someone else, and he's going to do it. Number four, you are never aware of what God is doing in and around you. It's like, man, you, you, you never speak about God did that. You walk, now you, you, let's say you need a new pair of jeans, right? And you're a bit tight on the finances. You walk into a shop and there's a sale on this exactly gene that you need. For you, that's like, oh, it's a co- coincidence. Man, maybe that was God. You know, because we're afraid to over-spiritualize. We're afraid to look like idiots. Huh? We are, right? I know I am. We're too afraid to say, well, maybe this was God. Man, God's hand is more involved in our lives than we, we could ever think. I'm not saying, I'm not saying everything happens for a reason. But it's close. Now, sometimes the reason is you made a bad choice and you you didn't think. But generally, man, God is involved. Now, if something doesn't work out, we we try, I'm going to make it work. Maybe God is doing this to keep us from going there. Now, the scripture says, I think it's in James, where don't say that I will go here and I will go there. But say instead, God willing, I will go here and I will go there. Or I will go here and I will go there. God wills it. And we need, we need to realize that. Our prayer should be, God, if you want me to do this, let me do this. Not, Lord, I'm going to do this with you. Now, it's almost like we, we go to God and say, Lord, this is your will for my life. Yeah? And, uh, Lord, I'm planning this with you. And uh, for, for you, you kind of have this subscription to your life. You tell him, Lord, I was thinking, Jesus, so this is quite a good plan. Are you keen? Okay, cool. Let's go for it. You don't even... It's like you're the boss. Number five, you feel that God has forgotten about you. Like, do you go through seasons? And uh, we go through these seasons, but in that season, do you feel like, man, God has forgotten about me? I want to say He has not forgotten about you. Don't care, I don't care if you've been 40 years in a desert. God has not forgotten about you. He's not AFK. It's not like he, he left you in a room to play with some friends and he's like, oh, shit. and then he runs back in. Sorry, I was busy preparing stuff. No, and he's involved. He has not forgotten about you. And imagine Moses having the sense of, man, God's going to use me. And then he kills this person and things go south. And now I think it's like 40 years. There's a lot of years where he was caring for sheep. And then David. I mean, he gets anointed. As, imagine this. Uh, you, you're the youngest son in the family, and you've, you've got this whole scene where a prophet comes, and he looks at all the children. No, not them. And he looks at David. Yes, this is, this is the one that God has called to be king. And then you go back to looking at sheep. And then eventually you serve as a general under another king that wants to kill you. But God said, uh, did he forget about his promise? Then Paul, in the New Testament, he gets saved, right? And I think it's seven years. I think it's seven years, might be more. But there's a lot of years before he walks into 
ministry. Yo. I, I get frustrated if, if God says something now, I, I feel like he's forgotten about me by next week. And you guys are probably the same, right? You, you hear God saying something, and if it's not done by next week, he's forgotten. He's not faithful. He's not forgotten about you. And we need to remember that God is so much bigger and far ahead than us. Man. He is like, we can't, we can't grasp how much bigger he is than us. Okay, let me, let me use an example in the Bible, right? So let's use David. David, great guy, now he's king. And he, the, the Israelites go to fight the battle. He stays at home. And as he stays at home, he's on his roof looking down. He sees Bathsheba. I think some of you guys know the story. It's someone else's wife. And then he goes and he sleeps with Bathsheba, gets her pregnant. Now he thinks, okay, this is a, this is a debacle key. It was just a great So now he gets her husband to come back from the oorlog, right? And, he's, and he tells him, listen, we, go, you can get a weekend off. Go be with your wife. Because he's thinking if they sleep together, then he can say, no, oh, congratulations, you got a child. But it, it was actually his child, right? And then this soldier, being the good soldier that he is, says, no, I will, not, I will not be with my wife when the rest of the army goes and fights. He's like, that's not right. And he sleeps outside, and now David's like, okay, um, I'm going to get caught. And so he kills the person. He kills the soldier, and he marries Bathsheba, one of his many wives. And so, I mean, there's a lot wrong in that story. I mean, there's adultery. There's lies. There's murder. I mean, he's going for the Grudrido. He's, he's going for it. <laughs> like, he's really trying to set a record here of how bad you can ruin things. So then the child that they have... Um, dies, but later they have more children. One of their children is Solomon. David messed up completely, and then with this one lady, he gets a child, Solomon. And out of Solomon's line, so Solomon's children and their children, comes Jesus. So in the midst of his great failure, in the midst of him messing up, God uses that to bring Jesus. And you kind of sit there like, yes, I don't know what to think anymore. Like, did God plan that? Did he not? I don't know what's going on. How does in his failure God use that to, for Jesus to come to earth? You, you think, Lord, how do you, how do you do that? God can take your failures and use that. He's not caught off guard by your failures. He's not caught off guard by your decisions. He knows he works everything together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his plans and purposes. Man, God is involved with everything. Don't, don't, don't see anything in life as a waste. Whether you make a good decision or a bad decision, God is involved. He's there using it, molding it, working with it. Now you need to know if you make a bad decision, you're probably going to have some bad consequences. But even in the midst of a bad consequence, something great can come out of that. Because God is involved. He's not AFK. He's not asleep at the wheel. Philippians 4 verse 6 to 7. You can put that up if you... Um, I think I gave it to you, you know? Yeah. Do not be anxious about anything, but in, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Man, don't be anxious about anything. 
but pray about everything. There's a, there's a call for us to not be anxious, but pray. And then the peace of God will. There's a promise with this. As we pray, like it says, make your request known to God. But as we pray and ask God, Lord, would you come and do this? Would you come? Lord, would you come and intervene? There's a sense of, there's a promise that, that His peace will come into our hearts and we're like, okay, I know God's got this. Whether He does something or not, I know God is God. I know He's in control. I know He can. I'm not going to do the last Jesus. Open up again. Of worms. So how do we how do we get to a solution on this? Maybe maybe you've got some wrong views. Maybe you've got the sports the sports coach Jesus in your mind. Always telling you to do better. Always telling you you should have done it differently. Or maybe you've got the AFK Jesus. He's not telling you anything. He's just hoping for the best and he's busy with other people. You know, the AFK Jesus is busy with the leaders. He doesn't have time for you. At, you know, how do we, what's the solution? I think there's three solutions. So first one, read your Bible. Right? If you, if you read your Bible, you'll get to know the correct Jesus. And when I say your Bible, I don't mean the last part. I mean the whole part. It means including the Old Testament. If you read books like Ruth, you read books like Esther, man, you see how God is involved with things. I think it's with Ruth and Esther, actually both, that you almost never see God mentioned. But the whole point is that God is involved even if He is not mentioned. He's busy pulling strings that you can't see. And trust Him. The second point is pray regularly. And when we pray and we connect with God, we start to hear Him, we start to see Him. The more you spend time with someone, the better you get to know them. I mean, if you're really close with someone, you know what they're going to say. Now, it's that closeness where someone in the room says something and you look at the person and you're both thinking the same thing. Because you know, you, I mean, you're connected, so you, you know the inside joke that you guys just had. If someone asks you something, you know how they would ask it, how they would answer it. Like, I mean, someone asks my wife, hey, what would Paul like to eat? And she goes, not tomatoes. Uh, that much I know. <laughs> because, you know, because there's, there's, there's a connection. And the more you pray, the more you know the real Jesus. The third one is read your Bible. <laughs> Man, I honestly think we need to read our Bible more. And really, to get to know Jesus, don't just, don't just read it to get something. Read ev everything you read. Ask yourself, what is this showing me about the character of God? What is this showing me about who Jesus is? And uh, it's easy to read the New Testament and go like, oh, we need to do church like this and we need to pray like this. And uh, we, we, all, we get all te technical about the things that we should do. But there's gold in the Old Testament where you see the character of God. The God of the Old Testament is the same one as the New Testament, for those of you who didn't know. They didn't switch halfway or did a sub substitution. You, get, you see the correct Jesus in the Old Testament. Come, let's pray. Can you close your eyes with me?